Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. Thanks for joining us on this episode entitled, What's Next? Life in the Last Days. Well, that certainly is a challenging title, and I think that you are going to get a lot out of today. This is for February 21st, 2021. For the truth about life in the last days, we need to go to the one who is the truth. And there's none better than Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. In the next few episodes, we will listen to his prophetic teaching about what's next. Now, what we're going to read today will be from Matthew chapter 24, part of that. And when we read this, Jesus taught this two days before the Last Supper and his betrayal and crucifixion and all that happened there before his resurrection and ascension. So two days before the Last Supper, Jesus tells this to his disciples and by way of the Gospel of Matthew to us. The last words of someone can be important. Now, Pancho Villa is reported to have said, tell them I said something important when he died. Pancho Villa, he wished to be prominent. Jesus Christ, who is prominent, he is in charge. And when we see the last words of his earthly ministry, so to speak, not literally the last words he spoke before his death, burial, and resurrection, but certainly very important words. When we see what he taught the disciples, we know how important it was for them to know these things and for us, if we profess to be believers in Christ, to know them as well. Now, what about life in the last days? Well, you could sum it up in this phrase. There's a whole lot of deception going on. (laughs) The deception is on a breathtaking scale. It's like one senator said of a president in his own party several years ago. The senator said about that president, he is not just a liar, he's an exceptional liar which is an amazing thing to say about a president in your own party. This was said about uh, 15 years ago, uh, 12 years ago, something like that. Now, uh, it was longer than that. So let's say it's about 20 years ago, I think, that he said that. Now, life in the last days are going to be an age of deception. The clueless will be the last to know. And like a good New York Times headline, it's sort of like unbelieving and uninformed, hardest hit. I don't want you to be among those people. I want you to know what's coming down, what's heading for this world so that uh, you do not have to face what is coming to this world. Since about 94% of professing Christians hardly ever read their Bible, according to surveys, this all may come as a shockeroo to you. And you may say to yourself, as you hear some of what I'm going to teach and read today, which are are really the Lord Jesus' teachings about prophetic things, you may say out loud or in your heart, I just can't believe this. I don't believe that. I'm shocked about this. Well, hey, 
it's time for you to clue in and get with the program. And that's why we're going to let Jesus Christ, in his own words, teach us about prophetic things in this series, What's Next? So as I mentioned, the last days and living in them will be being part of an age of deception. Now, we even see that now. You know, if there's a great event that's going to happen in the future, it casts a long shadow into the present. And so we can see even even this going on now, but it will get even worse. Now, it's an age of deception in terms of the political. You know, I used to think growing up, because I was told this, that, for example, when President Kennedy was president, it was said by all of the people who knew everything about everything that he had assembled the best and the brightest to lead government. Well, that turned out to be not so true, if you know a little bit about history. And now it's gone from the alleged best and brightest to corrupt and incompetent that are running government today. I want to tell you where I am. I have zero confidence in human government. The 10 most frightening words in the human language might be, I'm from the government and I'm here to help you. That's about where I am. Now, does government have a a God-ordained purpose? Of course it does. But that is good government within the, the boundaries that God sets up. I think we are a long, long way from that kind of government. So, It will be an age of deception in the political area, but also in the spiritual area. You know, today, there's almost complete apostasy in the so-called Christian church. There's the, like, 99%, it seems like, that are religious, and there's the 1% that are remnant, a remnant, and I'm in that remnant. I don't get along very well with religious stuff. Now, I attend church and all of that, but what I'm saying is I'm not buying into where religion is going today, and I'm going to explain some of that here in just a moment. You know, it seems like in the spiritual arena that every week it seems to get worse. And, you know, truth is now forbidden in our age, thanks to big tech. And in America... Even patriotism causes an outrage. Now, that's nuts. I'm going to give you some examples, though. Pope Francis endorses a Catholic president who is pro-abortion with a vengeance. And not only is that not being a good Christian, it's not even being a good Catholic. The pro-life movement originated in the Catholic Church. Are you kidding me? Being a pro-abortion Catholic, I mean, that that's just completely idiotic. It's ridiculous. And yet we are expected to go along with that today. Well, I don't. An- another example, yoga is widely accepted and practiced in churches for exercise. Well, let me tell you what, whatever label you want to put on it at its heart, it is a false religion. And you ask anybody, for example, in India who understands it, and that is exactly what they will tell you. It's not for exercise. It is a pagan religion. 
there's also among so-called evangelicals a movement on that's been on for several years now to unify all the world's religions into one global religion. That means that Christians would be in the same religion with Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and so on. And uh, professing Christians, especially among leadership, are signing on to this at about the rate of 80%. That's shocking, especially when the Bible predicts a one-world religion that will be shattered when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. And then, of course, there's just any number of continuing scandals among church leaders And I'll give you another example. The Democrat Party's platform, did you know that it's actually in Romans chapter 1? You're kidding, Pastor Ed. You've got to be. No, I'm serious. Go read Romans chapter 1, and you will see pretty much the things that the Democrat Party in 2021 proudly stands for in writing in their platform. Anyway, you get it, I hope. And some of you may, and many of you may not. Now, we're going to go through Matthew 24. Uh, just We're going to try to do verses 1 through 28, and I'm going to be reading and remarking as I go along. So it would be advisable if you have a Bible handy. That would be great. Get it out. Follow along. Um, if not, you can... Uh, try to go to, uh, without knocking yourself off the podcast, of course, try to go to BibleGateway.com and you can get um, get a Bible version there. It's right there online. It's completely free. All right, Matthew 24. This is Jesus' teaching. And um, so here we go. Matthew 24, starting in verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Now let's stop right there. There's more to this, I think, than that he just physically left the temple area. This was the last time the Lord Jesus Christ was ever at that temple. And the one he comes back to at the, at the return of Christ is going to be a different temple. It's a frightening thing to think, of course, Jesus Christ is God come in human form, This is God leaving the temple that was supposed to be set up to worship him. And God leaves it. Think about that. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. See, Jesus was concentrating on the spiritual, and the disciples, like we sometimes do, were just mesmerized by the physical aspects of this religion. And by the way, it was impressive. <laughs> I did not know until I was studying for this that the basically the temple in Jerusalem at this time when the Lord was in his earthly ministry, get ready for this. I had no idea it was this huge. It's about five football fields long and about four football fields wide. The stones used in the temple were like 50 feet in length. I think they were about 25 feet in width and about 16 feet tall. That's massive. And it was 
it was covered in gold. So it had this white marble and this gold uh, all over it. So very impressive, you would have to admit. Verse 2, And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, that was a shocking statement because to every Jewish person for centuries, a temple had been at the center of their national existence. It certainly had been. So uh, this was like saying to us today that every church that you know of will be uh, literally and physically destroyed. That would be a shocking statement for a Christian to hear. Well, this was a shocking statement. Now, do you know that this was what he said here, verily, or verily, I say unto you, that there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down? Do you know that was literally fulfilled? Literally. It wasn't metaphorical. When the Romans in 70 A.D., destroyed Jerusalem, and the last thing they destroyed was the temple. The gold, uh, once the temple was set on fire where the, the holdout Jewish people were, you know, hiding out from the Romans, the Christians had all fled. The temple was set on fire, and of course the gold melted and ran between all these massive stones. And the commander ordered that all of the stones be broken apart to get that gold. It was literally fulfilled. It was essentially wiped off the face of the earth, just like Jesus said. Verse 3. Now, by the way, think about it. When he says the rest of what he's going to say, it will be literally fulfilled, unless it's obviously a metaphor. So, for example, when he says that he will rise from the grave, he literally, physically rose from the dead, never to die again, ascended to heaven, and he's coming back. Um, that, that's an example of that. So, remember that don't spiritualize or metaphoricalize, I'm going to make up that word, what we're going to read, because this literally happened we know that he's telling us so that we can know what's going to happen. Do you understand? Verse 3, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately. <laughs> it's like time out, because that was a shocking statement they just heard. So as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, and remember that teachers in Israel sat and the disciples often stood around them. So it may have indicated that he was about to explain something very important to them. And as he said upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. You see that word deceive there? We just saw it twice. It's the same word in Greek that where we get our word planet from because our planets you know, rotate or orbit around the sun, right? But this word means 
to be led astray, like to to just go off on a tangent, to to be misled. So Jesus warned here, take heed that no man deceive you, that is, mislead you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive or, or mislead many. You know, this very week, I think it was on a post on Instagram or I'm pretty sure it's Instagram. Somebody that I saw there was saying on there that they were literally Christ come back. I mean, just like Jesus said, I don't know who they were. I can promise you this. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns, he will not need to use Instagram to inform everybody. Everybody's going to know. Amen? All right. So he warns us that there's great deception and, and we have to be careful. Verse 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. And that word troubled means to cry out in terror, to be terrorized. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So he says here that these things need to begin to be put in motion, and they may be pointing to what's going to happen, but they are not the very end in, in and of themselves, because he says, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation. This word is the Greek word ethnos, where we think of ethnic groups. Uh, that certainly has been happening a lot. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines. I don't even need to explain that, but, but I'm going to anyway. It means no food. Like, like in Texas this, this week with Snowmageddon that hit Texas and many parts of the Mid-South and on up into other parts of our country, there were people running out of food because they were completely dependent on the supply chain and stores and all of that. But... There, there's coming a time uh, that this is going to be very commonplace, and it will be more so as we go forward. There are literally not just, you know, famines with stores, but famines of, of uh, locusts and crop failures and all of that kind of thing all over the world going on now. So he says here, For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes. We see that a lot in diverse places. That is, in many, many varied and different places. And that certainly has been increasing more and more and more. And the... the um, the impact of those seems to be very great many times. But again, this is not the end. I'm not saying we're living in the tribulation, but these are, uh, well, let me let Jesus say it. What, what are these things? Verse 8, Jesus says it. All these are the beginning of sorrows. You know, it's like when a woman is going to have a baby. Way before she has the baby, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, uh, pain and suffering through the, the pangs of childbirth, right? And, and then the baby is born. So he says that things like wars and rumors of wars, uh, 
you know, ethnic wars and, and kings fighting each other and all of this and famines and earthquakes. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. They're the start of a continuing pattern. Verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. That, that means uh, persecuted. Uh, very personally, I might add. And shall kill you. Well, what does that mean? Well, just what it says. And shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. You know, it was hard for me to imagine there would ever come a time in America where where the true Christian church and true Christians would start to be publicly named as enemy number one. But that is certainly where we're starting to be in America. And if you can't see that, you need to wake up. So he warns about that, that that will certainly be a trend and it will definitely be done during the tribulation period. Verse 10, And then shall many be offended. Anybody offended today? It's everywhere. You know, being triggered about ridiculous things. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Now, it's interesting to me that that even in um, some things that are going on now, people are encouraged to rat on their neighbors by government. You know what I'm talking about. Well, it's just a sign of things to come that we're going to get worse and worse. So he says here, And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Folks, there are entire segments of our population in America that seem to live for nothing every day but to get up and hate the people they hate. Now, I disagree with things sometimes that others pe- other people say and do, this person or um, this organization, and you can fill in the blanks. You know what I'm talking about. But I don't hate them. But I'm telling you, a lot of those folks hate Christians, and they hate anyone who stands for God and for scriptural truth. They just hate because they're haters. I mean, they don't just hate. They've got it down to an art form, and Jesus nailed it right here. And we see this, um, these birth pangs, these shadows of what's going to be completely intensified in the tribulation. So you're getting a, a clue as to what it is like to have, uh, you know, what life will be like in the last days. A, a very deceptive time when you can be betrayed by people that you trusted and you can become the object of hate of someone else or some other group or some other organization or even of the government itself. Verse 11, And many false prophets shall arise or shall rise and shall deceive many. Man, is that ever going on? Many of the top sellers in Christian, so-called Christian books are teaching error. 
they are teaching things that are opposed to scriptural truth, and yet they're the best sellers among um, uh, Christian, I put quote marks on that, Christian books. Wake up, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. There's that word again, that idea of lead or to, to lead someone astray, to mislead them like a planet just going off course and wandering out into space. That's where these false prophets are leading people. Verse 13, But he that shall endure unto the end, and that means like hang in there under the pressure, under the load, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now it's interesting to me that with the rise of technology, it is literally possible now that every person in the world can hear the gospel of Christ. There are there may be a people group or tribe, and I, and I believe there are some, that are still being actively reached out to or sought out. I, I understand that. But I'm talking about the world at large. The gospel is available to anybody in the world from Antarctica to Africa to America to Europe, Asia, everywhere because of the devices that we have, the iPads, the Androids, the iPhones, and whatever other things people have. It's out there. Doesn't mean people are using it or listening to it, but the, the gospel is being proclaimed in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And Jesus says, when that begins to be true, and I, and I think it's true now, and as we reach the rest of the world that needs to be reached, he says here, and then shall the end come. So I would say we're getting a lot closer. How about you? Now, now by, by the way, in verse 14, it doesn't say that everybody in the whole world is just going to fall on their knees and receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Most won't, but it doesn't mean that they haven't been given the opportunity to do so. You know, by the way, if you're a Christian, you should be using Facebook, Instagram, other avenues to try to proclaim the gospel of Christ. And yeah, I know for sure, personally, that you can be shadow banned. This podcast had reached uh, about 5,500 downloads. And then when the shadow banning started, I mean, <laughs> boy, talk about putting a crimp in a hose. You know, a flow just began, became a trickle. So I know that this podcast is the object of big tech shadow banning. But they don't know about you yet, so pick up the slack, why don't you? <laughs> and begin to get things out on social media, uh, you know, in an attractive way. It doesn't have to be screaming at people or confrontational. Who's going to listen to that anyway, right? But get the word out in every way possible. 
But Jesus says, when this begins to be true, and then show the income. Now think about that. Verse 15. Now, here he's getting extremely specific. And if you've been listening and following along, and you know that I've been in the book of the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament for several episodes prior to this one, and you may want, if you don't know about it, go back and listen to the last, um, I think, three episodes prior to this one. And you'll be taken through a study of the prophetic portions of the prophet Daniel, and it will make more sense to you. And what, anyway, what I'm talking about, this is what Jesus is talking about right here. This is something, an event yet in the future, which has not happened yet. It didn't happen when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple. None of what we're about to read happened then. So all of what we're about to read has, in other words, when they destroyed the temple, there was no way for this to ever be fulfilled. There will have to be another temple built in the future for this to be fulfilled. So we know this is all future. And by the way, did you know the Temple Institute in Jerusalem says that they have every single thing they need in place to restore the temple. Did you know that? And they are actively working to have a temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. That's right. Think about what I'm saying. Now, they don't have the Ark of the Covenant, but some great experts said that they believe they know exactly where it is hidden uh, under the so-called Temple Mount and that when the time is right, they will go get it. And they probably are right about that. All right, so now, let me, let me go back to verse 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand, Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. One thing that didn't happen when the Romans sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple is is the, the Jewish people did not flee Jerusalem. They hid in the temple and were slaughtered. The Christians left Jerusalem a few years earlier, probably because of this very reason that the Lord had given them a warning. So they left, but the Jews were killed when the temple was destroyed, all right? And I guess anybody not killed was taken into captivity, I would assume. Now, what is this abomination of desolation? And Jesus speaks of this as a literal, specific human event. We know from the book of the Revelation In chapter 13, we know what this is. This is where the Antichrist, better known as the beast, at the halfway point of the tribulation, is going to, many people believe, I believe, that he will be instrumental in helping um, clear the way for the Jewish people to rebuild the temple. But at some point, the halfway point of the tribulation, three and a half years into it, 
he is going to go into the temple himself and proclaim that he is God and he is to be worshipped as God, literally. Say, where are you getting that? See, there you go again. You haven't been reading your Bible. Shame on you. But I'm going to help you out. You can read about that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul gives the details there. But there will be an image of the beast set up in the temple, and the whole world will be compelled to worship the image of the beast. And we're going to look at that in several episodes from now. But just for right now, that's what this is talking about. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, in other words, this thing that completely defiles the temple, uh, that image of this Antichrist, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except these those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. All right, now let's, let's break this out a little bit here. I'm going to do my best. When this specific historical event happens, and I say historical because it's going to be real, but it's still future to us, but it, when it happens on a specific day at a specific time, literally, that I'm sure will be covered by every news organization in the entire world, and the whole world will see it on their phones and other devices, when this specific event happens, the Jewish people are to flee Jerusalem immediately, Jesus says. I mean, all of this is... Is like immediate, go. Why is that? Because we know from the book of the Revelation that there's going to be a great persecution that breaks out against the Jewish people, and it starts right there at the temple and in Jerusalem and emanates from there across the entire world to destroy the special people of God, the Jewish people. And you say, what, what is this with destroying the Jewish people? It's Satan. Satan has it in for the Jewish people because it is through them that the Lord Jesus Christ came to be the Savior of the world. You get it now? And so Satan has never forgotten that nor forgiven that, and he's determined to wipe them out. And he's going to give it his best shot, although he will fail, through the Antichrist, the beast. So Jesus Christ makes this a very specific prediction here. And, I mean, it's very specific. Say, well, will this literally be fulfilled? Well, you know what? So far, 
All of the things in biblical prophecy that need to be fulfilled have literally been fulfilled. For example, when Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ, it was for 30 pieces of silver as predicted by the prophets. It wasn't $29.99, all right? I got that from Josh McDowell. I've always liked that. <laughs> That's a great quote. All right, now, Judas literally betrayed Christ for 30 pieces of silver. You can bet there will be a literal temple rebuilt, and everything that we just read will literally happen. Now, let's go to uh, verse 21 is important as well. All of these are important, obviously, but for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. So by the way, that eliminates Antiochus Epiphanes in 165 BC, I think it was, when he defiled the temple. He was only a a foreshadowing, a uh, you know, very small example of what's ultimately going to happen. All right, because Jesus says nothing that's ever happened is going to be this bad. No, nor ever shall be. I mean, listen. When you think about what happened to Jerusalem in 70 AD, can I ask you a question? Was Hitler's extermination of approximately 6 million or more Jewish people during World War II, was that greater than the population that died in Jerusalem when the Romans came in 70 AD? Well, of course it was. So you would agree that what Hitler did was certainly far worse than what happened in 70 AD by the Romans. Yeah, I see you shaking your head. Okay, we were agreed. So the point I'm making is this event has not happened yet. And he says that, in fact, this event uh, near the, near the end, uh, middle of the tribulation period, um, not on, well, let me rephrase that. The, the, the great tribulation which this event starts is what I'm trying to say that the suffering during that last three and a half years of the tribulation, the 60, the 70th week of Daniel that's yet to be fulfilled, will be the worst time ever in human history. So there's, there's nothing that's ever been like it, and once it happens, there will never be anything like it again. It is the absolutely unique worst time in world history. Friends, if that might be coming sooner than you think, you do not want to be there for that. You want to be raptured by the Lord Jesus Christ to be in heaven while all of this unfolds on the earth. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Verse 22, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. That'll be, for example, the ultimate example of that will be the, the false prophet that speaks for the beast. Um, there will be great signs and wonders done by him. So, 
in in apparently other things that are, will be similar by false prophets and false Christ. And Jesus says, in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. There's that lead astray word again, like the deception that just makes people go in the wrong direction. Now, I don't think it is possible because I think that's what the Lord is saying. In so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Well, God will keep his elect. He will guard them, right? But it will be very powerful. Did you know that there are um, so-called appearances of the Virgin Mary around the world that have been increasing in intensity over the last many years, and um, false doctrine is being preached or taught at these apparitions. I believe it is demonic, and uh, yet is apparently real, and it's very powerful on the uh, primarily Catholic people who hear those uh, teachings from these apparitions. I believe they're demonic uh, that is demonic activity. I don't want to get into all of that right here because we don't have time. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, you know, like in, inside this rebuilt temple, for example. He is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. You know, when there's a massive bolt of lightning, it's not in slow motion and everybody sees it. It's instant. And you're aware of it, right? The same way when Jesus Christ literally returns in the second coming to take over. Verse 28, For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered. It's hard to understand exactly what this means, but I was thinking maybe that means that if you see uh, eagles, vultures, and all of that, you know that... You know that they're there for a reason. It's a sign that something is about to die or has died, right? Um, others have said that it, uh, it might mean that you know that uh, it, time for judgment is at hand. But listen, when Christ returns to the earth, to the Mount of Olives, where he gave this prophecy, by the way, and comes back to take over, and set up the millennial kingdom, um, you won't need somebody to call you on a cell phone and tell you about it. You're going to know. Everybody will know. And those that have turned to Christ, you know, after the church is gone, there will still be many who will trust Christ during the tribulation, and many of them will die for their new faith in Christ, and they will gladly do so. But many will escape dying and um, they will be so glad to see the Lord Jesus Christ returning. 
And God is going to save many of the Jewish people, the remnant that will be hiding out um, in uh, that secret place that we're going to hear about as we, we study other things here. God will protect them. And uh, they will rejoice in the Lord returning because they will have returned, believed on Him as Savior and Lord. And you might be a Jewish person today, and maybe the Lord Jesus Christ is calling you to trust Him as your Messiah. Well, I believe He is, and you can trust Him today. And you know what? If you do that today, you will you will be part of the church. And when the Lord raptures His bride out of this world before the tribulation, you will go as well because you will be part of the church. Amen? Now, we need to be getting ready because the things we read today and heard the Lord Jesus Christ teach, they are more and more true today than they've ever been. And yet they are not, uh, uh, much of what we read are not the fulfillment. You know, the abomination of desolation is, obviously, but many of these things are going to happen before that happens. And we can see it right in front of us. It's right in front of us if we have eyes to see. Now, for many years, I have studied prophecy, and I've read, uh, I lost count, but a lot of books and done a lot of study on Bible prophecy. And I always wondered, why am I so interested in that? It could be that God wanted me to be very versed in that so that I could teach people just before these things happen so that more could either come to Christ, which hopefully many will, and that those who are Christians could be strengthened in their faith and be witnesses for Him before all of this is unleashed upon the world. Now listen, I'm going to give you a phone number. I'm going to say it twice. I want you to write it down right now. Get something to write it down with. You ready? 877-247-2426. Call that number and you'll discover that with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can know for certain how your eternity will turn out. You don't have to guess anymore. Instead of following Satan and the Antichrist and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ today and be welcomed into heaven in an eternity with God in the future. Some of you may prefer to chat. Now here's a site, chataboutjesus.com chataboutjesus.com. Go to that and someone will discuss with you by chat how to trust Christ as your Savior and Lord. They will answer many of your spiritual questions. And for Christians, they will encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Well, thank you so much for listening today. Please share this with others by email. Uh, you can share it directly from where you're listening to anyone by email. You can post it from where you're listening. You can use that to post to social media, Facebook, 
Instagram, other places, Twitter. Do that. Help us get the word out. And I invite you, if you benefited today, I don't charge anything for this. I'm not even selling any merch. I just do this out of my pocket as unto the Lord. I'm not asking for any gifts. I'm not a tax-exempt anything. But I do ask you to share it, and I ask you to subscribe or follow the podcast, and you'll be alerted every week when there's a new podcast. Thank you for listening. It's been my pleasure to share this with you, and I pray that it has been a benefit to you, and I hope that you have a great week in the Lord. Who knows? The Lord may come for His church before we ever hear another episode. God bless you. Bye-bye.